podcast land, you have Lanny George Dial on Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast on the entire MMA landscape. We do talk MMA, we do talk boxing, we do talk kickboxing, we talk about Muay Thai, maybe even some grappling depending on the day. It's all over the map. We love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, on today's show, we have uh, we have some great Twitter questions. We have some great call-in questions. We've got Drea's drop of the night. And then we are featuring a fantastic interview with new Bellator signee, 135 out of the Northeast, Johnny Cupcakes Campbell, former WSOF fighter, former CES fighter, Cage Titans. The dude has been there, done that, got the T-shirt. It's a great interview with 10 rounds with Rhino with Johnny Cupcakes Campbell, you won't want to miss it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's one of our most favorite segments we have on Combat Sports with Rhino. We have our Twitter call-in questions, and they're going to be read to us by the multi-talented, wonderful fight picker, Drea at Drea underscore MMA. Drea, how are you today in California, my friend? I am doing as well as can be expected under all of these circumstances. (laughs) Very well said. So let's go ahead and dive right in. To our first question, which comes from Sirius King, at Sirius King, a very good homie to the show. And what does Sirius have for us today, Drea? He says, with all MMA organizations canceling their fights, how long do you think this will last? For example, if if it lasts until August, I cannot see fights happening in September. Don't fighters need a few months to get ready to fight? The longer this goes, the worse it gets. Do you agree? So I had to think about this. So I took this to mean like how long after the precautions are lifted and we see fight cards start to pop up. I I seriously think it will be much faster than it should be. Right. So I think you're right. And that it should be at least a month or six weeks from the announcement of a show to when it actually happens. I don't think it's going to be that long really, dude. I think it's going to be more like two weeks or so. Um, There are thousands of fighters right now who are like desperate for a paycheck and they'll be willing to fight on the shortest of short notices uh, even going up or down a weight class, I'm telling you, um, they're not just the fighters, but you got to think of the organizations themselves. They've had zero revenue coming in as well during this whole matter. So I don't think they're going to have as long of a intermittent time between the announcer show and when the show actually happens. I just don't see it. I know those of us who are fans, we we're, we all really want to see live fights, um, but at what cost? You know what I mean? So I think... I think it should be a longer time, but I don't think it's going to be, dude, if I'm being honest with you. I think it's going to be really, really fast from the time that they're allowed to have shows to the time we have shows. It's going to be really, really quick. Guys are not going to have full camps. Fighters are not going to have six to ten weeks to train as per usual. It's going to be really fast forward and chaotic to be put together. So that's what I think on that one. Serious, thank you so much. And keep coming with those uh, – with those different burgers and different, you know, awesome food things you keep putting on Twitter. They are fucking so fun to look at and always make me hungry. Not that I needed help in that department, but they always look really good. So thank you for uh, your question, sir. Uh, question two today comes from the homie at Unsolicited Fight Picks, which is at, at Combative Views. Andrea, what does he have for us today? So say UFC 249 happens, we get Tony versus Khabib finally. Whoever loses, do they and their fans have an excuse with everything going on with COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, I think that is a legitimate excuse for whomever loses uh, should the fight actually happen. 
even with everything going on like perfectly around you, when you have a fight camp, uh, you have to worry about your health. You have to worry about what's going on in the family. You have to worry about your other daily in-life stuff. It's super difficult to be prepared physically and mentally for a fight, particularly a fight of this magnitude, this high of stakes, this much interest, the title on the line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, I think it, it is it is an excuse that may be used if if somebody loses. But conversely, you got to think about it on the other side of the coin. Conversely, to whomever wins, they they deserve all that much more praise for being able to overcome all those things I just said, all the distractions, all the interruptions, all of the fear of going on with the disease, fear for, your, for yourself, fear for your teammates, fear for your loved one. There is so much more going on during this time than probably any other time in the history of fighting so there's both sides of the coin to look at yes i do think the loser will have a legitimate excuse but i also think the winner should deserve all that much more praise for being able to overcome all of those things so yeah that's definitely a great question and thank you unsolicited for asking it uh we're gonna move our way to my homie phil the mma dude at phil the mma dude from the always entertaining split decision podcast with him and the fight geek and what does phil have a What's Phil asking me today there, Drea? What are your thoughts on John Jones' latest run-in with the law? Do you think champions should have a stipulation in their contract that if they are convicted of one or more felonies in a 10-year period, they must forfeit the belt? Or perhaps spread the rule out to all fighters on the roster and say two felony convictions and you're cut? Dude, this was such a hard question. I went up and down over and under this question, trying to figure out what really I thought would be how I feel plus what was right, okay? So what I kind of came up with was charged with something. You can't strip the title from someone from being charged with something, right? You have to be convicted. There is the premise in the, in, in the country that you are innocent until proven guilty. The only... The only way around that for me is if there's like indisputable evidence. And I mean, really clear video uh, showing the incident. I think if there's something egregious, like legitimately, if uh, if a UFC titleist on camera kind of did what Ray Rice did to his girlfriend in that elevator that time. Yeah, I think you could absolutely without having to worry about it. But yep, you did something terribly wrong and you were being stripped of the title and we're kicking you out of the organization. I think something like that it's okay to do but otherwise if, if it's just someone is saying you did something and there's no evidence that we know about from the beginning you have to wait for due process dude you have to wait for the judicial system to do its job and decide whether or not you are convicted of this felony uh before you get your title stripped i think if you get your title stripped you should also be at least at least suspended for a, a long period of time right because obviously you did something really bad you were convicted of it it would be up to Dana and everybody else to kind of decide whether or not you can come back at some point should you get your life together. <clears throat> as far as there being some sort of like overriding rule of if you get convicted twice of two felonies in a 10 year span, I really don't know. I think you need to, I think it has to be done on a case by case basis. But yes, I fully agree with if you get convicted of a felony, you need to have your title stripped. And if you're not a title holder, you're just a UFC fighter. If you get convicted of a felony, you need to be suspended for a significant amount of time and then, you know, work your way back into the good graces of the company. Because we have so many people who watch this sport now. We don't want to turn into 
you know, kind of that old preconceived notion. This is all a bunch of barbarians who not only are animals in the cage, but animals outside of it. We can't ever, ever let the narrative go back to that for some people. So, yes, we have to be strict on it. The, the, as far as John Jones, for me, and this is kind of a personal note, I, I, the dude needs help at this point. You can't keep doing these things over and over and over and over again and there not be something that is terribly wrong uh, in his life. I don't know if it's just addiction. I don't know if it's mental health or a combination of both. But for me, that dude, he seriously, he needs help. So, yeah, that's my answer on that one, Phil. What a great one it was. So we are going to move our way on to our fourth and final Twitter question for the day. And this comes from my homie Antonio Pineda, at Antonio Pineda. And thankfully, he did not apologize for his English. Your English is awesome, Antonio. I know you had a, uh, you're having a very rough time with this. I know your home country is going through a terrible part. So I learned how to say something in Italian for you. And that is this. Sta bene amico mio, which means stay safe, my friend. So Antonio, what do you have for us today? My brother Rhino and my lovely sister, you think Khabib versus Tony is still going to happen. Because Khabib is now in Russia, and what I heard is that he can't get out of there because of the virus. I hope this is a good question. <laughs> They're always good questions, my dude. <laughs> uh, no, I do think the fight is going to happen, but do I think it's going to happen on the 18th? No. I think it's going to be postponed. I think the health of the world supersedes you know, a, a fight card, even in one of this magnitude, you have to worry about fighter safety. You have to worry about um, the venue issues. What are the parameters of how many people can you allow in the building? Is there enough to even put on a show? Yeah, there's so many outside factors that are uh, in play at this point. So, yes, I do think the fight is going to happen at some point. I do think it's going to be after the original date of the 18th. But you never know. Dana White could pull some rabbit out of his hat and make it happen. But I just don't think it's the right move. And I think it should be postponed as much as we'd all love to see it and get that distraction. I just don't think it's the right move. So, again, thank you, Antonio. I'm going to say it again because I don't think I've ever spoken Italian before, even though I spent a week in Italy. Stai bene, amico mio, to the homie Antonio. So, we are now going into the section of the show we love to call Drea's Drop of the Night. And since we don't have live fights on, Drea delved into the archives of mixed martial arts and she found a great drop. Drea, why don't you go ahead and explain what it is? Okay, so I may have a little bit of a personal bias because I have met this fighter before and he does come from California. Um, but either way, it was an excellent knockout. Um, it comes from Bellator 189. And it is from Gaston Bolaños, uh, fights out of CSA. He threw this amazing spinning back elbow that he's actually known for and ended up being the 2017 knockout of the year for Bellator. And for those of you that have not seen it, I will be posting it on Twitter underneath our uh, Twitter show post. So hope you guys enjoy my drop of the night. Heck yeah, we're going to enjoy the drop of the night. Every one of those is always so fun to get into. And yeah, we're we're really thankful that uh, that Drea has this expounded knowledge of MMA so she can dive into the pocket and pull out another great knockout week by week if we don't have one live to go on. So, Drea, thank you so much for your pick. Thank you so much for joining us again this week for your Twitter question reading aficionado, Drea, at Drea underscore MMA. And we will talk to you next week, my friend. Thank you for having me. See you next week. You got it.
So now we're going to move into the part of our show where we have our voice questions. And D Reigns, I know our first voice question comes from the big homie Jim Soon. What does Jim Soon have for us today? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? How we doing there, Rhino? Well, my question for you is, uh, what do you think of Donald Cerrone saying he'll help save that car 249 and fight Burns, Gilbert Burns? I think it's hilarious because there ain't no chance this thing is taking place at all, but I guess we're playing a charade for now, apparently. But that's my question for you. What do you think of that bullshit is happening with all that? But you know, I'd love to see fights, you know I mean? Don't get me wrong, but like, come on, you know what I mean? I don't know. You just keep your selfish self inside the fucking house when it's just done. Make a huge supercar and away we go. I don't know. It seems pretty simple to me, but whatever. That's my question for you there, big guy. Man, you know it is always 420. Peace. Yeah, Jim, dude. I think it's just Cowboy being Cowboy. You know, that's kind of part of his MO is whenever there's a possibility to slide in kind of last minute, that's what he wants to do. But you're a thousand percent right. I mean, I want to see fights more than ever because we've never had a hiatus like this, but it's just not safe. The the Until the number of cases starts to really go down and maybe a vaccine is out or something, it's just not time for a fight. Um, but I'm with you, dude. I think that once we are allowed to have fights, I think they need to do some super duper you know, mega card that we're all going to really enjoy. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, again, it's just Cowboy being Cowboy. I don't think it's going to come to fruition. So that's where I'm at, too. And Jim Soon, I say it every week. It's not a show of Combat Sports with Rhino without you, my brother. So thank you very much. Uh, our second question on the voice voicemail questions comes today from my boy Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes, and the Combat Sports with Rhino, his son Judah. And what do you guys have for me today? Hey, Rhino, are you trying to keep? Is he today? Hey man, it's Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Instagram and Twitter. That was Judah wondering what you're up to to try and keep busy while we're all stuck inside like this. Um, got a boxing question for you today. Not sure if it if your answer would apply to MMA as well too. So we'll we'll stick to boxing for this. But I'm just curious uh, as a a fighter yourself what is something that you might know about the experience of stepping inside the ring uh that that the fans watching wouldn't know um what's something that you experience only as a fighter uh about the fight game curious about that anyways man hope that you're hanging in there and uh you're staying safe and we'll talk to you soon Hey, Judah, the Combat Sports Rhino mascot, my boy. How are you, sir? Uh, so basically, to answer your question, Judah, I watch a lot of Netflix during the day. I read. I play with my dog. I chat with my friends. We do FaceTime. I play on the phone. I do a lot of stuff, you know, just trying to do my part to stay at home and have fun and uh, keep my spirits up and talk to my friends. So, yeah, it's been, you know, that's been the silver lining, buddy, is to kind of reconnect with old friends. So that's what the old Rhino is doing to fill up my days these days. Uh, Dave, as for your question, I, I think I think most well, most like fans of combat sports don't realize is how much getting hit takes out of you physically. I know that may sound well, well, of course it does, but I mean to the point of like you can see a fighter in great shape, high energy, and once they take a few shots, how much it slows us down. 
like it could seem hard to believe that strikes that you know you land five or six strikes like it's going to take that much out of you but it really does it's not usually the pain of the hit right it's the it's the energy it drains out of your body it takes its toll that you can't fully understand until it actually happens to you now I've been in there 21 times, man. So I've got a lot of experience of what has been, what has happened to me. And that's probably the biggest thing that doesn't translate from watching it to actually doing it. I've tried to be careful, not only on my current show, but on my old show. I never want to be one of those fighters who does the, if you've never been a pro fighter, you don't have a valid opinion. I don't think that's true. I, I don't like that stance that fighters have against the media and journalists and in more current times versus trolls on the internet. I believe fully that you could be a knowledgeable, you can become a knowledgeable expert about combat sports without having done it. My homie Juice, Ashley, Phil, Fight Geek, G, Mike, Carlos, Chelsea, Delilah, all very smart, very well-versed uh, MMA podcasters whose opinions are just as good or better than anybody who's been in there because they study the sport, right? Because they, they're invested in it, they have a passion for it. It's something that myself included um, we all love it and we can become an expert. Therefore, I'm not one of those guys, those fighters who takes a stance of you have to have done it to become an expert on it. I don't agree with that. Uh, the other part is this. So, yeah, just to recap the first part, it, it's definitely how much the, the physically it takes out of you, how much it drains your battery getting hit. I never understood before I actually did it. Uh, the second part is the noise factor. It's loud as fuck when you walk out to go to the ring, dude. I mean, you just hear, you feel the energy, even if it's just like a thousand people, it's so loud and crazy, right? As soon as the bell rings, you barely hear anything. You hear your corner. Usually you hear their corner. You hear the referee. You hear the other fighter. You hear if he's talking or if he's grunting or whatever the fuck. You can hear those things pretty well. But otherwise, dude, it seems like you turn the volume down on the TV from a hundred to about six. Like that's literally, it's a weird, almost out of body experience as far as the volume goes. So yeah, those, that, that's, that's really what, uh, that's really my best way I can answer your question on this one today, dude. Once again, dude, if you guys are looking for getting some custom made shoes, uh, check out Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz or at solo shoes. That's S O L E solo shoes. The dude is a fucking genius when it comes to graphic design. Could, can't say enough good words about him. Not only a quality designer, but an even more quality person. So, Dave, thank you so much for participating, sir. Oh, uh, now, folks, we have got our fantastic interview with Johnny Cupcakes Campbell, WFOF CES, Cage Titans, and new Bellator signee, 135er, veteran of 34 pro fights, Johnny Cupcakes Campbell. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Thank you, Ronald. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, dude, we're so stoked to have you on today, dude. Um, so as I kind of explained to you a little bit off the air, we have a segment on our show called 10 Rounds with Rhino, where I go through 10 questions uh, specifically for you. And we're just going to go ahead and take off if you're ready to go, my man. Yeah, let's do it. All right. First off, my friend, I've got to ask you, where does the nickname Cupcakes come from, dude? Well, uh, it originated in the gym. Um, I, I go by Johnny and somebody uh, in the gym called me Johnny Cupcakes, which is a fairly a local t-shirt company uh, around here. That's pretty big. And uh, it caught on uh, my first amateur fight. I walked out and they called, they, you know, they called me uh, Johnny Cupcake Campbell. I had like 
like a three hour drive away. I had like 20 people that came and watched me fight. And, you know, once all my friends heard me named Johnny Cupcakes, they just jumped all over it. And um, I'm not even Johnny Cupcakes anymore. At this point in my career, I am just exclusively Cupcakes to all my <laughs> friends and my fans, like a lot of my family. It's uh, it's crazy. So um, I'm just Cupcakes to, to everyone who who I run across. And, you know, it's it's pretty um people just say like oh yeah i heard of this uh, the badass mma fighter cupcakes do you know him and my, my <laughs> friends always uh, you know it, it sticks out people just remember that and I, I i dig it you know i dig it no dude i love it too that's fucking fantastic um our second one is can you kind of take us through i always ask my uh my guests who are fighters what kind of got you started like what was like the genesis of of cupcakes career dude like what what was really what got you into mma to begin with Man, it's a good question. Um, I have been like fighting uh, for my whole life for whatever reason. You know, I played sports. I love sports, um, and and always ended up in in fights and altercations and things. And um, you know, growing up, just kind of scrapping and uh, around whatever it was. Like senior year in high school, the UFC was getting real big. And the ultimate fighter was on television for like maybe the first time at that point. And I just see these, these guys doing this thing, fighting, uh, in a way that was athletic and sport. And it just like, it made me immediately gravitate towards it. I found the local, most local gym that I could, that I could get to. And I started training immediately in, in MMA. I you know, no real wrestling, no, no jujitsu. I, I immediately went in and started doing MMA and, um, and it just started and I, and I loved it and, and I was pretty damn good at it. So. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. There's a, we talked about this before on the show. There is a whole, crop of guys um i'd say you're you're probably at the the beginning of it that just trained mixed martial arts that didn't start doing uh jujitsu class or wrestling class or kickboxing they just went right into mma and i think a lot of those uh guys we're going to see that more and more as time wears on in the sport uh guys who didn't try to specialize in anything they just learned everything from the beginning and i think that's very advantageous uh especially for those who want to compete you know not only amateur wise but going into the pros so very very cool um, so we'll be all, you know, Johnny, I don't know if you know, I'm a, I'm a pro boxer myself. And I remember first getting into boxing and starting doing the Amis, like when you start to meet kind of like celebs in the sport, do you remember the first, like what we would call air quotes, a celebrity at MMA? And if you interact, how do you interacted with them? Yeah, I mean, definitely. So I was maybe spoiled a little bit because I came from my South Shore sport fighting is where I started my fighting career. That's where I fought my first amateur fight. And we had guys like uh, Josh Grisby and, um, and and I was uh, we were connected more to Lazan's back in that in those days. So, I mean, oh, I got okay. to see Danny Lazan and Joe Lazan on like a fairly regular basis. They actually used to come to us and we would go to them like every other Saturday. We were trading off. So, I mean, I had like UFC fighters and and uh, and guys all around uh, constantly. So, I mean, um, yeah, it, it was pretty amazing the way that I was able to just like uh, jump right in with some of these incredible athletes and, and train with some of the best. So I got ex extremely lucky and I'm incredibly grateful for, for it. But, um, yeah, I was kind of like a little bit spoiled. So from the get go, I didn't necessarily even think of guys like Joel Azan and, and Josh Grisby or some of these other killers, like as different, they were just like 
they were just other guys in the gym, other training partners who were teaching me and helping me, you know, improve. So, um, it wasn't until maybe like I saw like Gabriel Gonzaga at like a grappling tournament where it was like, Holy yeah. crap, like these people are real people. Um, it, right. it's pretty amazing. Fucking team Lake, man. Team Lake was where uh, Gonzaga was from right up there in Massachusetts. Ludlow, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, so, yep, yeah, definitely. he would be right up there near region. That's fucking amazing, dude. Uh, yeah, Joe Lozon, I mean, come on. Who doesn't love that guy? Not just the, the fighter heart, but the jujitsu and uh, the whole story with his son and the fight that he had. What an amazing guy. Very cool dude to uh, be associated with. That's very awesome. Uh, so, so, Johnny, I'm seven years older than you, and I've had 13 less fights than you. Every day I wake up in the morning, I'm fucking hurting, dude. My back hurts, my shoulders, my elbows, like everything fucking hurts. You managed to have 13, 14 more fights than me. You're seven years younger. How are you getting better? Like, what are you doing to keep yourself rejuvenated and keep the injuries at a minimum to keep on going at such a high level and at such a high pace? Uh, I mean, so it's various things. I think that, again, like being lucky a little bit, uh, I got to be a little bit grateful for just, I mean, I'm not a huge proponent of genetics and then that stuff. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that it holds as much uh, uh, like importance as we maybe give it to, but I maybe did get a little bit blessed because I do look around at some guys who are a little bit older or even some guys that are my age or younger. And they're like, Oh, I'm this, I'm old. I'm that I'm broken down. Right. And I'm kind of sitting here thinking like, Oh man, I feel pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> and you look at yeah. guys like Jorge Masvidal, who, uh, he's older than I am, I believe. And he's, you know, on a, an incredible crushing it streak right now. Uh, I think part of it's mental. I've I've got into the law of attraction maybe like 12 years ago. And although I haven't manifested my million dollars or anything like that, I do feel like just the way that I look at life and my perspective on it gives me a little bit of an advantage on like the aches and pains and stuff. I don't look at them as like this accumulation of it's breaking me down. It's still always like uh, something that is, you know, I can fix and change and get better. You know, I get in better shape. I'm a little bit less in pain. And, um, I drink a lot of water, you know, Tom Brady drinks like 300 ounces of water a day and I don't mess around with that. I drink a ton of water. And then lastly, recently, especially I, uh, have been looking into and or, uh, dabbling in the carnivore diet. And I honestly believe that it is 100% the most optimum diet that you can possibly have as a human being. Uh, I just think that the high protein uh, and animal products, like your body is made of animals. <laughs> and I think that if we don't give ourselves enough animals, we start to fall apart. And I don't think that everybody can just eat steaks and then, you know, be a fucking monster. But I do think that my career changed, uh, right around the middle of 2018. And I started knocking people out and I started winning fights in a dramatic fashion. And, and, and a lot of that is because of Sean Baker, Dr. Sean Baker, who is this gentleman who pushes the carnivore diet. And I've been eating a lot of ribeye steaks and, and it has made my body feel better than it's ever felt. I feel better now at 33 than I did at 23. And I mean that. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of us who uh, follow Joe Rogan, uh, that was the first, that was my first introduction into hearing about the carnivore diet. So he went on it. I uh, ended up losing, you know, 14, 15 pounds. He said he'd never felt better once he got over the, the you know, the initial adjustments to it, you know, uh, 
diarrhea wise and whatnot. Oh. Once he got through that, he said he has never felt better in his life. So yeah, that's definitely something that I'm going to start looking more heavily into. Um, so moving on to our next one, we, uh, this actually was a little bit further down the line, but since you just mentioned Tom Brady, I'm going to go ahead and get into this question first. Um, so you as a New Englander, if you could have season tickets to any New England team, are you choosing the Pats, the Celtics, the Sox, or the Bruins? Man, I mean, I'm, I played hockey growing up, so I would have to say the Bruins, but they're, um, that would be incredibly difficult if you laid – you know, four sets of season tickets down on the on the flat table. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think uh, it would be like one of those um, decision issues where, like, if I made one, if I chose the Bruins, then I'd be like, shit, I should have chose the the Celtics or, or the Pats <laughs> right. would have like a killer season the, the next season. But um, I just love some puck. I love you know some hockey, so I would definitely love to be able to go and sit uh, in that's in that arena and watch them play. All right, so right now we're just going to stick with the Bruins. But, yeah, I think I'd feel like you if I had to do that. But uh, So we're going to go with the Bruins on that one. So, Johnny, you've been a 135er for the vast majority of your career. What, who's another 135er that you watch coming up or that you see now who you're kind of like, all right, that's somebody who impresses me. I like his skill set. I like the way he fights. Uh, another somebody at 135. Uh, local or global? Oh, just in general. Yeah, global, man. Anybody in the history of MMA at 135? That's a good, good question. I'm um, a very good interviewer. I've heard that a lot. Right, right. <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of guys. Who's the dude that just fought Uriah Faber and busted him up real bad? Was that Petra Jan? That dude's a scary man. I mean, he's, I feel like he's kind of newer on the scene at least. So I haven't really seen yeah. him come up, but, um, but like watching that guy fight, I, I just, that, that's a man who scares me. And in a way he's just like incredibly tough, durable, hits really hard. His anti-wrestling looks incredible. I mean, he's, um, he's amazing. I don't know. 35 is such a weird division. It's like so stacked. But then when you get towards the top of the division, there aren't like a ton of guys. It feels like, you know? It's kind of a strange right. division. It's real top heavy. You know, that top 10 guys, you can see a lot of, you can see a lot of interest in all of them. Uh, you know, a lot of capability of them kind of being title contenders, but yeah, it's very top heavy at 35. It's a really, really strong division right now, which is kind of why I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on it. And I agree with you. Petra Jan is probably the scariest 35er in Ooh. the world. If you're going to ask me. Right. I, yeah, seriously. It seems like people just like run into him and then they get injured when they hit him. It's ridiculous. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're a great call on the anti-wrestling too, or wrestling in reverse. Some people call it. Yeah. He, he is phenomenal staying on his feet where he's strongest. Uh, moving on to our next one. If there was anything uh, you would say was your biggest improvement from the amateur days to the pro days, you're like me. I only had six amateur fights. You only had a handful yourself, but what would you say was the biggest improvement that you made or that you saw you needed to make from the Amis into the pro ranks? Uh, definitely the, my jujitsu at that time was the, was the thing that needed the most improvement or was lacking the most. My standup was always like pretty decent. I feel like it was never super advanced, but, um, I had the biggest holes you could say as far as, um, as on the ground. And I feel like really that kind of lasted even into my, uh, professional career a little bit. I mean, the only times I've been finished 
as a professional were by submission. And I just feel like it kind of was because right up until that, like that, those times I was still not a hundred percent where I needed to be on the ground. Um, that's where I need, I needed the mat time and I, and it took me a little while, but I, I got it and I feel like my jujitsu is maybe my strongest part of my game actually. Dude, that's fucking awesome. Um, now you, you yourself have been in a lot of different organizations over time. We would be remiss if we didn't say you, you had your Bellator, your first Bellator contract on you. You were ready to fight. Uh, but unfortunately, because of this current situation with the corona, this this fight has been postponed. Do we know, has that fight just been postponed and you're going to get another crack at it once things get settled down and we're able to, to have fights again? Like, Have you had any assurances from the Bellator organization that you're going to be able to fight once they're able to start doing fights again? The, all that they said is that they're they're planning on moving the event. So uh, from that standpoint, I'm I'm looking at the fact that I will be uh, fighting inside that uh, inside the Bellator cage, which uh, I've, I look forward to greatly. I think that uh, Leandro Higo is a tremendous opponent for me to go out there and display my skills against, and I think that he challenges me in ways that um, will make the fight exciting. And he's ranked uh, highly. Uh, as, as far as bantamweights are concerned. So um, I, I'm looking at the future as uh, open. So I'm willing to fight the best and the brightest. Leandro Higo is a tremendous uh, opportunity. So I do uh, hope that I get to uh, to fight that gentleman. Yeah, dude, we're all really looking forward to that. I know that when we uh, we fight mostly on the regional scene, and it's such a big deal to be able to get on the platform of, a, of an organization with the eyes the number of eyes on it that you know we have with Bellator. So yeah, we are all really looking forward to seeing that debut for you uh, in that organization, Johnny. So we are actually what I like to say we're always we're careening to the end here. We've got our last question, our tenth question, the tenth round with Rhino, if you will. So yes. I always try to make this one fun and kind of out of the box and whatever, uh, not not of the norm question. So the the it's a few years down the road, Johnny. The, you have become a, a a mega star, a nova star in the in the landscape of mixed martial arts. So much so that they are creating, and some studio is making the Johnny Cupcake Campbell biopic. Okay, this movie is going to be in theaters. Millions of people are going to see it. Who in the acting world is playing Johnny Cupcake Campbell, and why? Oh baby, I love it. I love it. That's okay. So let's see here. <laughs> I think that like um who's the guy who was in Southpaw and he did he was in Donnie Darko what the hell's his oh, name? Oh Jake Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. I just think you know he he has I got a look similar to him and yeah. he did Southpaw. He's kind of he can be gritty. Um I like that. Uh so I mean who know I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio could crush that role. So um That'd be cool. He might be a little bit older by then, but um, so I'll have to think of some guys coming up. There's got to be some guys coming up in some of these superhero movies that would probably kill it too. Um, but right now, off the off the cuff, I'm going to say Jake Gyllenhaal smashes Johnny Cupcakes Campbell uh, in a, in, a, in a biopic, and I and you look forward to that because you 100 percent you could see uh, j just probably Cupcakes would be the name of the movie, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like well, Johnny, again, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody out there in, in podcast land, every member of the Rhino Gang, let's stay tuned for the Bellator debut of 135er 
Johnny Cupcakes Campbell. See you later, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My gosh, what a fun interview with Johnny Cupcakes Campbell, man. Former WSOF fighter, Cage Titans vet, CES vet. This dude's Bellator debut is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it and follow the rest of his career. What a fun 10 rounds with Rhino. So as we like to say every week, folks, we are careening towards the end of our episode this week. I got my shout-outs to give, as I always will. The big homie Jim Asood, Dave Fretz, Antonio, Phil, Cyrus, unsolicited. Thank you guys for your questions. To my homies in the Rhino gang, Ken, Marquise at Week Sauce Radio, Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast, Ashley the MMA nerd, Mike G and Kairos from the Woke Wolcast. Love you guys. Um, Deja, Pulse Pulse. Pokemama91, Mr. B, Mixta, Ollie from out there, the Australia way, Chelsea Delilah from the TKO podcast, some of the newer homies, Mini Sonnen, Scottish Blaze, Jiu Jitsu, all you guys who listen. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of this show every weekend and week after week. We can't do it without you. To the homie Drea, thank you so much for being on today again. We love having you as part of the show. And never will I be remiss and not include my man, D. Reigns, my fucking engineer who makes me sound like I know what I'm doing, like this is actually a professional show, and he's probably the only one who can do that. So from my heart, I love all you guys. Thank you so much. Stay inside. Stay safe. We will all get through this together. We will get over this hump. There will be live fights again soon. We will get back to, I think it'll give us a bigger appreciation if nothing else for what maybe we took for granted a little bit, which was the, the passion that we all share for mixed martial arts. So thank you guys so much. Love you. We'll see you next week. Cage time.